stumbled onto the sleeping giant. Let's throw our minds. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Sleeping Giant podcast. I am your host Grayson Parker Marcotte and I'd like to say thank you for joining me once more. This is our final long-form episode for 2019. As such, it is our holiday special. So, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Life Day, or whatever Yule and or Solstice traditions tickle your pickle, lift your spirits, and uh, otherwise satisfy you on a deeply emotional and spiritual level. I hope that you go hard and that you do it merrily and with much fervor. Now, having gotten that jocularity out of my person, this is not necessarily a holiday-themed episode. No, we we dare not be that exclusive. This is what has become traditionally an episode whereon we're joined by the man himself, Stephen Marcotte, to discuss a particular topic and or film and in this episode we will we will be discussing excuse me the mandalorian so stick around after this discussion too because there will be details on a particular giveaway that uh, that y'all can enter and maybe get your mitts on your own mandalorian without having to place a bounty on him so in the meantime y'all get comfy we are about to begin Let me just go ahead and say that I love The Mandalorian, and as of right now, I cannot get enough of that show. A lot of you seem to feel that way as well, and uh, my buddy Luke Summerfield sent a little message that I am going to read to you now. Despite having to invent a time machine and travel forward in time to March 2020, it's good here in the future. Fandom is united. Baby Yoda is still trending, and hell, we have barely begun dissecting the rise of Skywalker. All jokes aside, when The Mandalorian was first announced, I wasn't fussed, but boy, was I wrong. It has been great to enjoy something that nearly everyone in the fandom enjoys. Star Wars TV shows have a very promising future indeed. Thank you, Luke, for that message. It is a shame I don't have a voicemail because I can't, of course... Do your lovely accent justice. That uh, so that's that's my loss. That's our loss, I should say, collectively. Still, I am in complete agreement with you about a solid unification of uh, Star Wars fandom that we have not seen in ages. Now, I don't think Baby Yoda or Baby Green, as I'm fond of saying, will ever not be trending. Uh, so that is that is very, that's very likely. Now. Um, if y'all would like to be like uh, if y'all would like to be like Luke and survey says you do, uh, send me a message, comment, or a question for me to address on the show. Please uh, hit me up on both Facebook and Instagram at the Sleeping Giant Podcast and on Twitter at TSG underscore Pod. I'd love to hear from y'all, so do fire away. Also, I would like to announce in this episode that I am now on. 
Patreon. Patreon.com slash The Sleeping Giant Podcast is where you can find me on that platform. Now, I don't have very much set up uh, anything at all, as a matter of fact, in the way of tiers or rewards. So I do have, I have my Patreon set at uh, a $1 tier. So Mr. Luke Summerfield has graciously become my first patron on Patreon. And uh, for that, Luke, I'm very grateful, but I really appreciate your support. I have appreciated your support for quite a long time now. Uh, so thank you so much, Luke, for that. Uh, if y'all would like to hop on board, again, check me out at patreon.com slash the sleeping giant podcast. And, you know, like I said, just join up for that $1 tier. That $1 gets you a shout out on the show, much like the one Luke just received. Um, and every little bit helps in the way of paying for web space, uh, web hosting, etc. Uh, if you just want to slide in there and throw me a couple bucks for being such a cool guy, I'd greatly appreciate that as well. Or if you just want to say thanks because you enjoy the content, whatever, you know, it doesn't matter. Every bit helps. Every thank you is very, very greatly appreciated. So, uh, for each and every one of you out there that does listen to the show and does enjoy it, it really does mean a lot to me. So, so thank you. And uh, swing on by, check that Patreon out now. Uh, moving on. All right, y'all. The time has come to get into that Mandalorian discussion. I'll be joined by Mr. Stephen Marcotte, who is, as a lot of our longtime listeners know, the daddy of yours truly. He is, in fact... Papa Marcotte, father of and major influencer of The Sleeping Giant. Dad has joined us for many of our more celebrated episodes, having popped in most recently for last June's episode on 1975's Spielberg film Jaws. Now, let's jump in and see what he had to say about The Mandalorian from Disney+. Plus. Dad, you there? I'm here. I'm here. Superb. Thank you once more for, for joining me. Or for joining me once more, I should sure. say. Sure. Merry Christmas. Oh, Merry Christmas to you. How are things? Uh, pretty well. Pretty well. You ready to talk The Mandalorian? I am. I am, yes. yes. Perfect. Just a quick bit of trivia here, if you would like to call it that. Uh, Dad and I were actually going to do a show on John Wick. We were going to sort of follow up on on some of our movie talks, and we were going to do John Wick. And then Dad said, how about The Mandalorian? So I said, yeah, that's good. So we'll actually probably push John Wick into next year. That way we can tackle all three films. Is that still the plan? It is, yep. Sounds good. Perfect. Okay, so The Mandalorian, Disney+. Plus. How about that Disney+. Plus? I like it. One of the things I like about it, uh, just as an aside, is that the Star Wars movies are in um, uh, 4K HDR, and indeed, and they uh, also in Dolby Atmos. And so I have a, a new sound system and a new TV, and they look great on, on that setup. But they are, in fact, the Reduxes, I believe. They are, yeah. Um, not to go too far into the weeds, but. Uh, there, there is uh, even a new word added in Star Wars, the mm. Greedo Han Solo. The infamous McClunky. McClunky, yeah. Which, of course, is what George 
had always intended for Greedo to say. Is that correct? I I don't know anymore. I, uh, I I'm glad that the films are in the hands of Disney, and hopefully there'll be no more changes. Yep. Well, at least not to the previous films. Yeah, I hope not. Maybe to the story world, maybe to the universe. I know some people like that idea. Some mm-hmm. people don't like that idea. Uh, but I think those will probably be the only changes that we see to Star Wars going forward. So Disney Plus, when it was announced that this was going to happen, this streaming service, of course the wheels started spinning in every fan's mind. And then, of course, that that spinning quickly uh, picked up momentum and I would say caught a sort of fire when we were told that there was going to be a Star Wars live action show, which I don't think that really surprised anyone, especially considering that had been a rumor for a long, long, long time back when with George Lucas's uh, Star Wars Underworld, mm-hmm. which I'm not sure if this really borrows from or not, probably. Um, but it was announced there was going to be a Star Wars live action show. And subsequently it was announced that it would feature a Mandalorian, a a sort of lone gunslinger-esque type character in a world uh, that takes place shortly, or in a timeline, I should say, that takes place shortly after the return of the Jedi. And, And we find in this case that it has been five or six years, I believe, since the fall of the Empire and the rise of the New Republic, which for me personally is great because I think that's my favorite time in Star mm-hmm. Wars. I think that's probably, at least for me, and, and I would imagine a lot of other fans, that's the area that we all really craved mm-hmm. to see mm-hmm. and uh, didn't necessarily get that opportunity until now. So uh, what, what, are your, what are your initial thoughts uh, prior to having seen The Mandalorian? What were your thoughts and your attitude towards that? Uh, well, I was excited for Disney+. Plus uh, Again, as I mentioned, um, uh, I like some of the Disney catalogs and uh, past catalogs and um, the, the movies, being able to see them in high definition. And every streaming service tries to have some new material uh, I also mm-hmm. have uh, Apple TV Plus, and they've got original programming to draw new viewers in. And so I was very interested in being a fan of the man, uh, being the fan of the Star Wars universe, but not so into it that I had seen Clone Wars, which I heard were very good. But I was just interested. I think I've spoken in the past how I like to go into entertainment, uh, video, movies, books just with a very open mind, just trying to hopefully to be entertained. Mm-hmm. And, and that was the what I was looking for in this particular case was that I would, would be entertained. And uh, so I, as soon as it came out, I, um, I got onto it and uh, watched the first episode and I thought it was really good. I, I thought it had a lot of the elements of the old Star Wars universe, the grittiness, because it mm-hmm. opens on that ice planet in that bar, and it's really gritty, and here comes this uh, stranger coming in. He looks like Boba Fett, of course. I know it was original Mandalorian. And as the weeks went by, I was really excited about it and have enjoyed it and um, saw the seventh episode as soon as 
I could uh, yesterday. Mm, yeah. I'm very excited about the finale, which is uh, a week and a half from now. Yep, a little bit of time. I guess they want us to be able to, to digest Episode 7 and The Rise of Skywalker. Exactly, exactly. And so I enjoy it very much. Um, I'm, I've watched um, the first episode again. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I, I think it's great programming. I think it's exciting. I think it gives Star Wars fans something they've been looking for and added a new element. Of course, I'm sure we'll talk about the child that every, yes. everyone is getting excited about. Um, individuals that haven't seen The Mandalorian know very well about the child or baby Yoda. Yeah. So yep. it's, uh, it's fun to kind of be at, at um, somewhat more knowledgeable about where this all came from. Sure. So that first episode is, it's, it's funny because the episode titles are given chapters. Mm-hmm. And the first episode's title is chapter one. That's right. No other, nothing else. Just chapter one. And that one. was directed by Dave Filoni mm-hmm. and written by John Favreau. So let's talk about that for just one second. Mm-hmm. I really do want to highlight the fact that this is kind of John Favreau's baby, um, which to me... If you would have told me that, uh, if if you would have told me that Mike from Swingers <laughs> was going to grow up, quote unquote, and become such a capable and uh, and just solid writer and director, screenwriter and director, I I would have been like, nah. <laughs> yeah, um, he's done a lot of work. Um, absolutely, going back to Iron absolutely. Man and. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, he effectively kicked off the MCU. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know we had the Hulk, mm-hmm. um, and I think that that perhaps went off track and wasn't exactly what they wanted to do. And I think that Iron Man was sort of a course correction. And um, I mean, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But regardless, that was John Favreau. So he kind of really ushered in the MCU as we know. And of course, he was Happy Hogan throughout those films, which mm-hmm. is always nice. He also did the live-action Jungle Book. Mm-hmm. Um, which was very good. Yeah, very good. So I, I definitely want to mention John Favreau as the... Uh, I believe that he is an executive producer on this show, mm-hmm. as well as the primary writer, and, uh, and, and in fact, directs a, a handful of them, I believe. Yeah, he... Uh, actually, you know what? Did, did he... I don't know which ones he directed. I know which ones he didn't direct. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, he uh, didn't direct any of them that I I can Yeah, recall. I think you're right about that. I uh, think that primarily he served as the writer. Yes, um, yes. But that first, that first episode, chapter one, going back to that cantina on that ice planet, the name of which uh, escapes me now. Um, but uh, you, you get... You get the Mando, you get that silhouette and that that doorway, and then uh, <laughs> right off the bat, you get that insult, um, which harkens back to the protocol droid in Empire Strikes Back, which uh, when 3PO passes him, it, you know, he says hello, salutations, whatever, and he says, Ichuta, and then uh, 3PO says, how rude. So that's one of the first things you hear. In the Mandalorian is, uh, I'm assuming they're speaking Huttese or, or something similar. And uh, he says, Ichuta, Mando. <laughs> and it's like, yes, this is what's happening now. But it, um, but it doesn't take long for him to 
uh, go into action. Not at all. Silent the whole time. Um, complete with um, complete with dismembering that uh, Quarren mm-hmm. in uh, in in the fight to to free up his quarry. I guess they were circling around this particular individual, um, and uh, it turns out that the Mandalorian is is looking for this guy too. Mm-hmm. Only words spoken. I can bring you in warm. I could bring you in cold. And, and that's Horatio Sands. Yes, the, the blue character. My, it's my troll. Ah, yes. Gotcha. Yep, I knew that that was Horatio Sands. I could not remember that character's name. There's, you, you'll find that there are several things that I cannot remember um, well, you do far, right off. You do far better than I do. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I try to keep notes going in, but... Sometimes you kind of you you can't get everything, I suppose, and you know maybe that's a, a failure on my part. But <laughs> to all of you, I say relax. <laughs> all right, so you know right off the bat, things are nuts. Things are crazy. They're trying to escape this planet, um, or at least get off of the planet with uh, without incident. So we have this ice creature that immediately bursts out, uh, and so we have our first glimpse at the Mandalorian's weapon. Which uh, is a callback, a direct callback to the weapon that Boba Fett carried in the animated portion of the Star Wars Christmas special. Oh, really? Yes, that tuning fork looking rifle, Uh which seems to deliver some sort of prod effect um, or cattle prod effect, uh, sending a a particular amplitude, I suppose, into uh, into critters and and knocking them aback. and then, of course, the other special thing about this gun is it delivers what are very clearly disintegrations mm-hmm. that we see later on. And, and as you recall, the, the famous line, uh, no disintegrations mm-hmm. in uh, Empire Strikes Back. So uh, moving along, we are introduced to Grief Karga, played by the immaculate Carl Weathers. Um, and we start to get an idea of what the world is like post return of the Jedi. We start to get an idea of what exactly it is. The Mandalorian does for a living. So, uh, you want to take it away? Well, uh, Greek Karka offers him a choice of bounties and Mando is looking for money more than anything else. And so he'll take them all. And Greek Karka says, well, I've got a special one. And he says, I'll take it. And then he goes to meet Victor Herzog, who is... Werner Herzog. Herzog. Thank you. Werner Herzog. Who, who is surrounded by four dirty stormtroopers in the old stormtrooper uniforms. And also is a Dr. Pershing is present. And they're talking about recovering... The bounty. The bounty is 50 years old, and it's very important that they find him. And the Mandalorian just doesn't really care. He says, where can I find him? And they give him the tracking fob, and he goes out to look for him, goes to the planet. He uh, encountered one of those creatures that the... Which ones? What's that? The Blurg? The, the Blurg. Oh my gosh, yes, the Blurg. Yeah. It counters the Blurg that tries to eat his hand. And, and then Krill, the Ugnut, comes, comes along 
and basically rescues him, takes him back and says, well, you're going to have to, I will help you. Why are you helping me? Because you'll help get rid of, uh, you'll bring peace back to our planet. And then he uses the line, of course, I have spoken. They go back, <laughs> Mando learns after an insult, sort of by Krill, uh, Mandalorian used to ride some sore in the old days. The mythosaur. Mythosaur in the old days. And so the Mandalorian learns how to ride the Blurg. They go to the encampment. He's reconnoitering where the bounty is. And he sees a a IG-11, which is a bounty hunting droid. And we know the Mandalorian does not like droids. And he basically throws up his hands. The droid goes in. And just using droid language, I am here, turn over the bounty by order of what, whatever law it is. Uh, and of course, the people are looking at him like, you must be crazy. And gunfire ensues. Mandalorian comes down. IG-11, IG-11, excuse me, because that's how they refer to him, IG-11, is injured. He says, oh, I'm going to initiate the self-destruct. No, no, don't do that. <laughs> please don't do that yeah, that that was a good gag yeah yeah so the mandalorian says like we'll we'll work together we'll split split the the bounty says that's agreeable and so action sequence ensues and then there's this big gun that the mandalorian gets a hold of and basically wipes out everybody else opens the door into the building where the bounty is held he eliminates one more opponent, and with the tracking fob, he locates the bounty, and everybody, including me, everyone's puzzled about what is in mm-hmm. this little egg-like thing, and then it opens up, and there's the child, or as we know him better as, Baby Yoda. Boom. I prefer Baby Green myself. It, it take, takes it away from Yoda. And then... Uh, um, IG-11 is going to shoot him. He said, doesn't matter to me. My orders were to bring him in uh, dead. Right. The Mandalorian doesn't agree with that. And he blasts IG-11, IG-11, and that's pretty much the end of the uh, episode. Right. So not a lot happens. Um, you know, uh, it, it clearly illustrated by how well you're able to sort of paraphrase that. Not a lot actually happens. It's a very small passage of time. In that episode, but there are some really interesting things that take place or are at least found in the subtext. So we have Dr. Pershing who helped uh, initiate this this adventure with the client, Mm -hmm. as he's known, played Mm -hmm. by Werner Herzog. And I don't know if we discussed it before, but, you know, he's sort of wearing what you would call the the Star Wars-styled medical uniform or get-up. And the patch that he has on his arm very much looks like the logo for the facility, the cloning facility on Kamino. Um, So Sam and I had actually discussed this, and we were trying to remember if Yoda had ever gone to Kamino in the films and it turns out i watched attack of the clones recently he did he went back to camino to pick up the clones mm. to bring them back to geonosis to rescue everyone um 
So, I mean, I'm not saying it's a clone of Yoda, but, uh, and that actually will come into play. That is mentioned um, in episode seven, I think, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where that's briefly discussed, and, and perhaps we'll get to that momentarily. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing that, that I want to touch on as far as the stage having been set in episode one is the inclusion of Beskar. Um, that metal is highly important to the Mandalorians and they use that metal to create their, you know, galaxy famous armor or infamous, I should say. And the client really leans on the Mandalorian, Mm -hmm. um, using that Beskar as leverage. So really it's, it's why he takes the job Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. initially. Um, and then as a down payment, he receives one ingot of Beskar and you see that there are these Mandalorian warriors uh, all holed up in this enclave um, beneath uh, beneath the surface of Navarro, mm-hmm. and uh, and you have the armorer who develops for the Mandalorian. This, uh, I believe, the first thing that she makes for him is a pauldron. Yes, yes. And uh-huh. so we see in that sequence of the pauldron being crafted sort of these flashbacks to a young Mandalorian. Uh, and it looks like it's a time of war and you can see the Republic battle droids, um, or super battle droids. I should say, it looks like those, those droids are the ones involved in the decimation of, of what were probably, I think led to believe his home. And I would imagine that has a lot to do with his hatred of droids but also, you start to, by way of this exposition, you kind of start to develop a bit of a sympathy, I think, but also a fascination with the Mandalorian. You know, how, how did this happen? Why did that happen to him when he was a child? And how did he become, you know, this, uh, this cold, calculating uh, machine? you know, at, at this point in his life. So I think the first episode was pretty killer. Um, what do you think about some of the, the guests in that first episode? We have Carl Weathers as uh, Grief Karga. And then, of course, uh, Taiko Watiti is the voice of IG-11. And then Nick Nolte is Kuil. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see, am I missing anyone? Uh, the armorer, uh, the, the person who is the armorer... Uh, let's see. Emily Swallows, I think. Is it Emily? Emily Swallow. I, I, I had said Swallows. I was like, wow, that is kind of an unfortunate last name. But Swallow, I think you could probably get away with yeah. it without a, an exceptional amount of teasing. So that is, that is my mistake. <laughs> um, moving along. Uh, so what, what did you think? Did you have a particular favorite? Well, I, I think Carl Weathers was a great addition. He adds gravitas to the role and mm. uh and and again we we know that we'll see him again uh in the the next season yes uh, yes so I, well the next episode at least and, or and i next, think uh, as spoilers i think the next season i think he they've already begun filming the next season as well mm-hmm. but i don't know what's going to happen of course i just know that he right i think he's going to be on um I think the care again, as I mentioned at the very beginning, there's a grittiness associated with the Mandalorian that's reminiscent of the original '70s Star Wars universe. Uh, 
Mm -hmm. And having these strong, strong characters uh, as part of that universe uh, give life to these characters that uh, I don't mean to certainly demean anything, but they're not comic book characters. They're bringing these stories to life. And, right. and you believe them. You believe what's going on. You believe in what they're saying. You believe in the Mandalorian's mission, if you will. Uh, uh, going forward, you believe Carl Weathers is good or bad, depending on your perspective. Uh, I think they just do a fine job in, in moving the story forward. Yeah, I would 100% agree with that. And uh, you know, Dave Filoni, as a director of this episode, I think did a tremendous job. Let me let me just say that I am a fan of Dave Filoni. Mm -hmm. I think uh, you you'll hear me sometimes talk about people that get Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Dave Filoni gets Star Wars. I mean, obviously he's he's climbed the ranks of uh, Lucasfilm and is now the overseer, I believe, of all of Lucasfilm's animation. Um, so that's that's not a small thing. Uh, you know, he worked worked very hard. I, I would assume, you know, just by evidence of, of the Clone Wars and uh, and uh, Rebels that, you know, that really paid off for him. And he gets it, and I absolutely love the feel, as you said. And I think that uh, having Filoni, who is not necessarily experienced when it comes to directing live mm -hmm. action, mm -hmm. I don't really think that that matters. Mm -hmm. um, and I will wager that he had enough support around him to uh to really assist him in that but i i know that he's got the vision he's got the understanding of the world and i think that he did really well and um yeah we haven't mentioned kathleen kennedy as being very pivotal in in managing the star wars intellectual property and if she has faith in in dave filoni that's quite a testament to his abilities oh absolutely and she also and everyone associated with Lucasfilms Limited from Disney uh, have given Filoni and Favreau everything they needed to make these episodes work. The the effects, the sets, the the settings, uh, everything goes into making these episodes a complete visual. And as we move forward, we can talk about how some of the episodes move the overarching arc forward and some are somewhat bottle episodes True. That, that are good if you just happen to turn it on and say, I want to watch this exciting mm -hmm. bit of television. Maybe you know a little bit about Star Wars. Maybe you don't know what a Mandalorian is. But some of these episodes in the middle... Uh, I think are really good. And I'm sure we'll talk about it. Uh, like Sanctuary is good. Gunslinger, The Prisoner, those uh, very much standalone episodes work very well uh, separately from the overarching uh, story arc. And uh, and that is something that I think that Star Wars fans, especially maybe your more hardcore Star Wars fans, for lack of a better way to put that. I think that's something, and I'll, I'll include myself in that statement, I think that's something that we forget a lot of times when new Star Wars comes out, in that they're not going to work as films, they're not going to be made um, if they're not getting every dollar. And 
if they only got the dollar of the hardcore Star Wars fan, it it would be over. It would it just would it would cease to be. Um, so these these shows and these movies have to appeal to a general audience mm-hmm. as well as the you know the quote unquote hardcore Star Wars fan. Um, so when you have those episodes, like you mentioned, you know they're for everyone. Um, the Mandalorian is such a treat, but it's not just for you. And I think that's that's one thing that we tend to to kind of forget a little bit. And 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 there's enough fan service to keep the, oh, the Star yeah. Wars fans excited about. Oh yeah, look is is that the same cantina on Tatooine? Yeah, and the the lizard monkeys roasting on the spit <laughs> on Navarro, you know. Um, so yeah, and and then of course the uh, the sentry droid. And the door that comes out on the little stalk, yeah. like the eyeball. All of that stuff is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as, as far as a pilot episode goes, I think that chapter one was extremely successful. And it's one of my favorite episodes so far. I mean, granted, there have only been seven. Mm-hmm. They're 30 to 40 something minutes long. Not long. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a lot of material to draw from as, as far as favorites go. But um, that's definitely one of them. Um, now... As much as I would love to go through each of these episodes and speak about them at length, I don't think that we have the time for mm-hmm. it. Um, but we will kind of, I would like to say that the next episode is, in fact, entitled Chapter Two The Child. Mm-hmm. Again, that was written by John Favreau uh, and it was directed by uh, Rick Famuyiwa. I don't know the 100% pronunciation of his name, I've never actually heard it spoken out loud, so I'm winging it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, I am, I'm passingly familiar with his work. He did a movie, um, about Petey Green that, uh, uh, he was played by Don Cheadle, um, Petey Green, the, it was biopic, the, about the radio talk show host. And, uh, that movie was called Talk to Me and it was really, really good. I did not know who directed it at the time, but now that I'm seeing that, and uh, I recall seeing that film. I, I really enjoyed it. So again, passingly familiar uh, with his work. But he actually shows up in the series later on. In fact, three of the directors show up. Yeah, later, yeah. Um, and cameos. Yeah. But sex wing uh, pilots. Yep. Yep. At the I guess that's episode six. At the end of the, the prisoner. prisoner. Yeah. Um, which I think that was one that he directed. It was. I, it was. Yep. Um, so the second chapter is called the child and this, this one was, this was the episode where I first started feeling kind of iffy. I didn't know what was going on and I had to watch it a few times before I fully grasped, um, what I thought it meant. And I'll of course share that in a moment, but, uh, in the meantime, what did you think of the second episode? Again, I was just in it for an entertainment sake. Where are we going with it? And just enjoying the story. Um, we find out, of course, that other bounty hunters are after the child. And as we learn later that everybody's after the child, as many people as they can round up are sent after trying to get this bounty in. And it was, it was both um, tense and, but funny, you've got the the comic relief of the Jawas, which are always funny mm-hmm. uh, yeah. in the in the show. But as as you said, where are we going with this? Um, what what's happening? 
And as he goes in to try to get the egg and is attacked by the Mudhorn, I honestly thought, well, is this the end of the Mandalorian as the child is just in the pram watching this? Right. But then the child uses the force and you got you go, oh, okay, what's going yeah. on here? There's more to this than we know. Uh, there's more exactly. than just a cute little creature in the pram. And I think it massive reveal. Yeah. And I think it, it, it struck the Mandalorian as well. Uh, one, the fact that he helped save us, the, the child helped save the Mandalorian's life. But he is a, an intelligent individual. He realizes there's something here. He's not quite sure what it is. He still wants to abide by the guild's rules. And mm-hmm. he takes the child back to the planet, Navarro. But um, I thought it was very entertaining. And it, and it leaves you wanting more, wanting to see what the next episode oh, is yeah. going to be. Uh, and then the final comic relief, opening up the egg, of course, and seeing that it's just some... It's a giant Cadbury, Cadbury egg. Cadbury egg, yes. <laughs> some treat for the Jawas. Uh, yeah, that that was that was hilarious. I was amused. And then um, we we have Krill again, and they put the ship back together. And you don't think that well, there's no way they're going to get this thing off, and and that shows the skill of Krill uh, to help with Mandalorian. And Mandalorian, he is not a lone individual. He'll take help. Uh, as necessary and he's respectful so he he's an honorable individual right i do think that that's what it was for i think that this episode was to show you who these people Mm -hmm. are yeah nothing really happened Mm -hmm. but you you see that the mandalorian i was because you know when he's fighting the mudhorn i'm like okay this is this is the the main character. This is a Mandalorian. He is getting trounced. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, know? absolutely. Uh, but in this conversation, you know, I brought this up to my friend Luke, and uh, he said, "Well, you know, he fought him down to his last weapon." And then I realized, you know, he was pretty outmatched, mm-hmm. but he was fighting to the last. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you see him running after his ship, I mean, that armor's got to be heavy, you know, but he's, you know, he's booking it and he catches up with the sand crawler. He just doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. And I think that is what they were trying to illustrate, or at least that's what I got out of it is that he refuses to stop. He's got a, a mission and he is, he's going to fight until he's dead to accomplish it. Yeah, and again, the first episode, the second episode, and the third episode, I think, are are establishing the character, establishing the arc, or the beginning of the arc, that's going to take us through until next week, where we, okay, Mm -hmm. here are the the characters, the Mandalorian is an honorable individual, and what's next? What's next in the story? And, yes. And so I don't know if you're ready to go to chapter three, the sin. Uh, in, in just one sure. second, I do want to mention something. Okay. Uh, did you get any Indiana Jones vibes from episode two? 
Oh yeah, yeah. When when he's almost crushed um, uh, on the the Jawas uh, uh, ship. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. I I immediately thought of Indy hanging off of that tank. Yeah, yeah. From the Last Crusade. <laughs> yeah, that that's yep. definitely a throwback. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think. Good. I'm glad you caught that. I thought it was intentional. I, I didn't think at all that I would be the only one. Oh, every um, everything is intentional. Everything, everything that you see in a modern film, modern television series, everything is intentional. Mm-hmm. Whether you agree with it or not is a different story. <laughs> but the writers and sure. the editors, they are intent on this visual they only have a limited amount of time to tell a story now the beauty about the mandalorian is it can either be 32 minutes or 47 minutes uh that is a luxury of of this format when you're dealing with a streaming service that you don't have with a a modern television show which is down Mm -hmm. to the second so uh yeah it's it, it was very much intentional Yes, I, uh, I I think I'm ready to move on into the third chapter. Having having said that um, about the second episode, I am ready to talk about the third chapter, uh, which is entitled "The Sin." Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was directed by Deborah Chow, mm-hmm. uh, who again I'm only I, I only ha- have a passing familiarity with her. Um, I know that uh, she wrote and directed "The High Cost of Living." However, the more interesting thing to me is that she has been chosen to helm the Obi-Wan series for Disney+. Plus. Oh, So okay. I'm, uh, I'm very much okay with that. Um, and unfortunately, I don't think that she has, at least not immediately, to me, an accessible body of work um, apart from that. So I don't really have anything uh, that I know of right offhand that I can really kind of throw myself into. Uh, to kind of get a feel for her. But uh, if her work on The Mandalorian is any indication, I think that uh, I think we're going to be just mm-hmm. fine mm-hmm. with Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. Um, so, The Sin, Chapter 3, probably my favorite episode. Um, I know the, the first episode is one of, one of my favorites. I think now that, now that I really reflect on it, I think Chapter 3... The sin is my favorite. So in this one, this is where it all goes down, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. The Mandalorian delivers the asset. Um, the client is thrilled, of course. And uh, he gets his Comptino of Beskar, which uh, he very quickly takes back to the Enclave. And he has a full Curious designed for him, which is just awesome. Um Key thing that happens during the the crafting of that armor, though, is that uh, the the armorer Emily Swallow asks, you know, uh, basically what had happened. Um, you know, you defeated you uh, did you defeat your enemy? What was it? it? Was a mudhorn? So you'll take that as your signet, and he denies it because he had help from an enemy, who, as he says, did not know. He was his enemy. Mm. So again, that kind of reinforces his honesty, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, and his sense of honor, which I really, I really dig. Um, 
But he's all suited up and shiny in his new Beskar, and he goes back to Grieve Karga for more jobs. Um, but he has a question about the child, and Grief is not remotely interested in uh, the asset. And he reminds the Mandalorian that he should not be remotely interested because that goes against the, uh, the code of the guild to ask questions. So, uh, at this point, I think he's starting to get a little, um, not to feel some type of way about handing over a kid to clearly mm-hmm. bad dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you want to walk us through this last part or this, the, the second half of this sure. episode? I, a couple of things real quick, a little bit of trivia. Uh, what they carry the best scar in is a throwback to Empire Strikes Back. Oh yes, Cloud City. Cloud City, um, which I forget the the origination, but it was just some odd prop that they had on the set. Yeah, it was like it. It looked like an ice cream maker. An ice cream I think maker. The, the character, yeah. which again is another one of those things that I love about Star Wars, is that everyone has a yeah. name. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Will Ro- was it Will Rohood? I, I don't know the name, I but think. yeah, he had a name. <laughs> uh, and uh, it was just the dude with the ice cream yep. maker. Yep, in Cloud City. And that's since since been termed a Comptono. And that was one of the things that John Favreau showed us mm-hmm. on his social media channels mm-hmm. was that uh, <laughs> that that prop. Mm-hmm. And of course, everyone lost their minds. <laughs> um, the first prop that he showed off was the Mandalorian's uh, rifle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I lost my mind yeah. when I saw that because you know you recognize it immediately as the animated mm-hmm. Boba Fett's weapon. Um, well, anyway, but anyway, going, going back um, uh, real quick to the second episode, um, Baby Yoda is playing with the knob on the hyperdrive lever, mm-hmm. and the Mandalorian says, "You know, don't don't play with that." And it's not a, not toy. a toy. So the Mandalorian goes back to his ship after having his armor done. But he still can't get the child out of his mind. He, he is an honorable individual. He cannot stand seeing, yes, a 50-year-old species age differently. <laughs> right. um, but he doesn't, he is uncertain as to what his role is in delivering the asset. And he has second thoughts. I'm not entirely sure their intentions are pure. Exactly. <laughs> so he has second thoughts. So he goes back. And basically wreaks havoc in this stronghold. The the sentry droid he rips that off the the wall. Oh yeah, he goes straight up John yeah. Wick. John, and and I was gonna say a lot of this episode reminded me of John Wick. A lot of it. Oh yeah, including yep. one of the he just goes in and he just has no mercy on anybody except Doctor Pershing, and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. He let Dr. Pershing live. Well, he did. He was speaking very quickly because I think he knew that his skin was on the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like, he did say, if it wasn't for me, they would have already killed yeah, him. Yeah. Please, he says, please don't hurt him. If it wasn't for me, he'd already ah, be dead. Okay. Um, so that must be what let him off the yeah. hook. Well, he snatches the child and he heads back to a ship, and there he's met by bounty hunters, uh, Greek cargo, and. It, it, a droid driving a little skiff and the shootout ensues and, and then once again 
You don't think there's any way for the Mandalorian to get out of it. But you had mentioned that he had visited the Mandalorian club or headquarters where uh, right. the other Mandalorians there and, and they had some tense moments, but they agreed that this is the way. Mm-hmm. And so the Mandalorians come in on their jetpacks. They basically clear a path for the Mandalorian to get back and sh- onto a ship. The Mandalorian hits Grief Karga in the chest with a, bo- a blaster blast, but Grief Karga is saved by the Beskar that he kept in his pocket. Mm-hmm. And then the Mandalorian blasts off and he's he's gone, but you know he's going to be pursued. Exile. Excommunicado. Excommunicado. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> he's excommunicado. So let's talk about that real quick. I want to say that we've talked about all of these characters and we've talked about all of the actors that have portrayed these characters, but we hadn't yet once mentioned that it's Pedro Pascal that is the Mandalorian. Can you imagine Um, being offered a role where you're told up front, no one will ever see your face? Well, kind of. Uh, Judge Dredd comes to mind. Ah, true. And um, oh boy. also, um, why am I blanking all of a sudden? Uh, Bane. Bane, yeah. Uh, from The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight Rises, excuse me. Um, that's, I mean, you can at least see his eyes. Yeah. But, uh, but the reason that I bring this up now is, number one, we hadn't yet mentioned Pedro Pascal, who is just awesome. I love that mm-hmm. guy. Um, and it's so funny, like you said, though, I... I knew that he was going to play this. And I was like, but does it matter? <laughs> and then, does it even matter who's under there? But the reason that I thought of it was, I don't think he had made up his mind about what he was going to do when he uh, was getting jobs from Grief Cargo. But I noticed something in that scene, because I think I watched this episode three times. I noticed that when Karga says, you know, this made me rich too, or even I'm rich, and he pulls back his his vest and he's got Beskar, there's a really subtle head nod that the Mandalorian does. And I think he felt slighted. Mm. Um, I think maybe he felt that, I mean, because the Beskar in his mind, I think belonged to him because that's what the client was kind of, using as that leverage so i think that when he saw that he didn't get all of it i think that that kind of pushed him a little further like maybe maybe it wasn't the main reason but i think that it helped his decision making process mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, he seemed surprised and the reason i mentioned that of course is because i the, the acting under the helmet is extremely subtle but it's good enough that it does communicate those things, which I find very fascinating, and I really appreciate it. Yeah, he it. does a great job of portraying emotion without um, the audience seeing his facial expressions. It is it is good stuff. Um, very quick bit of trivia about excuse me trivia about that episode is uh, it's not his voice, but it is his body. Uh, John Favreau is the heavy artillery Mandalorian. Oh, really? That uh, yeah, that that puts hands on uh, our title character, really, and oh. then and then rescues him later. Yep, 
The heavy artillery Mandalorian, which someone in the Twitterverse pointed out, was a perfectly good opportunity to uh, to have that character called Ham. Um, but uh, you know, we can't take advantage of every opportunity. Right? Cheese so. Ham. So we have uh, we have this situation of the Mandalorian being excommunicado now, and he before he blasts off of Navarro, he takes the little ball off of the lever. And, and drops it in a little green yeah, hand. Yeah, it's so cute. Which I thought, yep, was, I thought it was very endearing. It was, very cute. Very cute. So, so our next episode, Sanctuary, again, written by John Favreau, and this time directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, which is extremely cool to me. Is. I'm a big very fan so. of her. And uh, I think the first time I ever became aware of her was when she was in the M. Night Shyamalan film, The Village. Oh, really? Um, yeah, she starred opposite Joaquin Phoenix oh. in, uh, in that movie. And uh, I, might, I might have had a little bit of a crush. Um, <laughs> it's possible that that was a thing that happened. Well, have you, but, uh, have you seen Rocket Man? <laughs> I haven't. I have not seen that she film. She plays Elton John's mother. Yeah, really? She does a great job. I was unaware of that. I don't know if I have any desire to see that film. I, once you start getting into biopics of people that like, I kind of, I guess, were formative mm-hmm. uh, to, to, to my tastes and my personality, I'm not really that interested. Mm-hmm. You know, like if there was a, uh, a, like a Maynard James Keenan biopic or uh, Marilyn Manson, you know, I'd be like, nah, <laughs> I'm going to pass. So, uh, but that is cool, though. That is fascinating. She's starting to, to make the directorial rounds mm-hmm. as well. Um, again, I don't, I don't know if we the people have access to anything she's worked on. I know that she uh, did a documentary recently. I think it's called Dads. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that was exceptionally well received. And speaking of dads, of course, I, I don't think that it needs to be mentioned that, that her father is Ron Howard, which... Uh, I mean, if you don't know who Ron Howard is at this point, yeah, y'all just yeah. turn it off, go home. <laughs> there's, there's no reason to, uh, to be engaging in this tomfoolery. Um, but yeah, so again, a fantastic job uh, on her part directing this particular episode. And uh, it certainly has a different tone uh, from the rest of the episodes that we've that we've experienced and that we've seen so far. Uh, the Mandalorian decides to land on this planet, Sorgan, because it seems as if it will be remote enough that he won't be hassled. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on this planet, I think that he's just looking for a little peace, a little quiet, mm-hmm. and a, a little relaxation, maybe to have some, you know, de facto father-son bonding <laughs> with the... Uh, with baby green. But of course that does not happen. So, um, what, uh, where, where do we start well, here? I will, I have to, I'll mention the, um, there is, there is a loth cat. I just want to say that before we get started, the, the animated cat oh, uh-huh. creature under the table. That is a loth cat. That is one of, uh, of Dave Filoni's critters from the clone wars. And uh, so that was very cool. We're, we're world bridging, which I really appreciate. Um, but yeah, that's the only thing that I really wanted to to mention right offhand. Well, I, but uh, go go well, ahead. I have an odd bit of trivia 
that is unrelated to the Star Wars universe. But when the movie, when the episode began and and the the uh, villagers are being beset by the by the raiders, uh, one mm-hmm. of the first characters you see is a. Uh, an actor. Let me get his. Oh, let me. I, I lost his name, uh, which is unfortunate. Uh, Eugene Cadero is uh, okay. credited as Stoke, a farmer on Sorgan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm watching this, and I'm I'm immediately. My first thought is that Pillboy. Do you do you watch the good uh, the Good Place? I do not. I I've heard a lot about it. Uh, Will told me about it. Um, and I, I'm more or less familiar with it because he was like, do you think you'll ever watch it? And I said, no, probably not. So he, he gave me the rundown mm-hmm. and, and the spoilers, as it yeah, were. So, but I'm not familiar with the actors. Well, it, it, he plays the one of the biggest doofuses you can imagine. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I saw that. I, can't, I, said, I couldn't believe it. It was Pillboy from The Good Place. Uh, so anyway, uh, I think it, it was a good... Um, bottle episode it was very reminiscent of uh, the magnificent seven or the seven samurai where you have uh, a less uh, capable group that's beset by a group of, of bad guys and overpowering technology in this case uh, an atst is that right mm-hmm. and yep he works with them to basically win back their village and at the same time, he's given an opportunity for peace. And he almost takes it. And he believes that that is the best place for the child because the child has taken to the other children. He's comfortable there. He's comfortable to, to the fact that they give him a hard time. The, the child uh, is comfortable. They give the child a hard time about eating a frog. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and so... He feels that that's the best place. And up until the point where there's another bounty hunter that Cara Dune kills and the Mandalorian decides there's that he can't hide here. He cannot have sanctuary for either himself or the child. He has to continue and move along. Right. And it was, um, it was sad. Um, I, I, I didn't really think that he would stay. Uh, there was that moment where uh, he almost took off his helmet. We get that long mythology mm-hmm. about the Mandalorians don't take off their helmet. But we did learn that he takes it off this when is he the eats. Way. That's good to hear. Right. Yeah. Uh, that he does take it off when he needs to, but he just doesn't do take it off in the presence of other people. Right. Yeah, I assume that he showers exactly. and he washes you know, his face ref- washes or his refreshes. Feet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Basic hygiene. Yeah, and you have to take the mask off so or the helmet off. The the introduction of Cara Dune, uh, played by Gina Carano, mm-hmm. I <laughs> I don't think that she could have been introduced any other way. Uh-huh. Um, that's like the traditional meeting of foes that become friends. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's got to be that squaring off of one another, and of course, when they do uh, reach a stalemate in their physical altercation, we get the cutest shot of the child eating his suit. <laughs> yeah, from which many a meme has been spawned. Absolutely. Yeah. I, 
the the creators and, and the people that put this together have worked really hard to maximize Baby Yoda's cuteness. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yep. But but again, yeah. the Mandalorian leaves. Uh, Cardoon stays. Uh, he can't get anybody to work with him. Krill, he offered Krill a job. Krill didn't want to yep. work with him. He made it a point that he would only be in service to himself, That's right. which I can totally exactly. respect. So, uh, so he he flies away. All right, and that brings us to episode five, or excuse me, chapter five, the Gunslinger. Mm-hmm. Um, which say so you could say that some interesting things happened yeah. uh, in this episode. And before we take off, I do want to note that we're back to Dave Filoni at the helm, but he also mm-hmm. wrote this episode, which mm-hmm. is, uh, I believe, the f- the first departure from John Favreau as as the episode writer. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we find ourselves no uh, on the planet none other than than Tatooine in. A, uh, <laughs> a a space port called Moss yep, Eisley. Not Docking Bay ninety four. No, was it ninety three? The numbers were. I forget what the numbers were, and I'm sure somebody remembers. But they were carved into. I want to say it was because I that was my first thought. I was like, oh, it's just one yeah, off. They were carved into the the wall, just like um, Docking Bay ninety four. Ninety four. Um, so, uh, what are we doing on, on Tatooine? Well, I don't well, recall. He, He's he got some, some damage, right? He, it, right, it, right. Someone trying to take yeah, him down. And, and the, uh, the other pilot says, I can take you in warm or I can take you in cold. And the Mandalorian that does a classic, uh, dogfight maneuver, putting on the brakes and gets behind him and says, that's my line. But his ship is losing fuel. He has to find a place to repair it. He goes to Tatooine. There he um, he goes to a repair dock run by Peli Mato, who is Amy Sedaris, who is the uh, humorist in her own right, the comedic actress, actor in her own right, but the sister of Andy Sedaris, who is a, a, a well-known, best-selling author for his humorous writings. Really? Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Andy Sedaris. Uh, but he needs uh, work for the repairs, and the Mandalorian goes to the cantina, which is now run by droids. We assume it's the same cantina uh, from yes. Star Wars. Which, uh, ironically, of course, is run now by run droids. by droids. Uh, where he meets uh, Toro Calican, who wants to get into the guild, and he feels that... Uh, uh, Calican feels that if he can bring in Fennec Shand, who is a known assassin, he can earn his way into the guild. The Man- mm. Mandalorian needs the money, says, okay, let's go. Uh, but it's a, again, Fennec Shand is a rookie, very wet behind the ears. Doesn't, right, unblooded, as it that? were. Unblooded. Doesn't know anything about what's going on. Uh, Which I thought was a ruse. I did. I, did. I really did. Yep. I didn't think that. I didn't think that he was literally that. Not literally, but I, I didn't think that he was that much of a rookie. That's interesting. I thought he had an angle. I I, I thought um, 
that he was and everything that transpired was that he he lacked the the wisdom and honor that came with being in the guild mm. uh, but but okay. I, I see your point i i can understand that how it ends up but as they ride on the into the Tatooine desert on land speeders shocker surprise they mm-hmm. uh, they run into uh sand people and we didn't know the Mandalorian knew how to speak uh, in the language of the Sand People. I don't know if that was their language. What? And that it's interesting you say that. I, I wanted to talk about that specifically. Uh-huh. I would imagine that it was a trade language. Oh, like, I'm okay. totally spitballing, and I just have to guess. Because I, I'm assuming that they can't speak. So there would need to be some type of of language of, of trade. Well, that's a very good point. Um, on Tatooine. Yeah. Okay. Amongst the Jawas. If you, not everybody's got a protocol droid in their yeah, back pocket. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's a, so that's that's a very uh, good point. Well, they, they trained the binoculars or the... I, I know there's a Star Wars phrase for it. Binox, I think. Is, are, I think it's that simple. That are new. <laughs> that are new. And, and uh, Calica Toro is, is not happy about that. But then they come across a do-back that's dragging somebody and they go toward the dewback and in, aren't they immediately open fire by open their fire? I clock? think so. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the Mandalorian says, okay, look, that's where she is. We're going to have to wait till nightfall. Nightfall comes and using uh, flares uh, yeah, yep. to throw off her thermal vision scope. They're mm-hmm. able to uh, get to her and eliminate her. Or no, excuse me, I'm sorry. Capture her. They're able to get to her and capture her. But in the in that doing, one of the land speeders is damaged. So they've got her. The Mandalorian says, look, uh, we've got to do something. You go get the do back. He says, I don't know how to get a do back. So the Mandalorian says, I'll go get him. And in the interim, Fennec Shan basically talks Toro into letting her go. And, and we knew, you're talking about a ruse, we knew that she is just trying to get over on him. But oh yeah, but he, he says he can bring her in dead or alive. And he uh, decides it's better to bring the Man- Mandalorian in. And that he will become a legend within the guild. And so that's what he attempts to do. Goes back to the docking bay. The Mandalorian see... see well, I'm, I'm losing my place. So Toro leaves. Mandalorian comes, sees the body, goes back to Tatooine. Sees that Toro has uh, Peli, Moto, and the baby hostage. And the Mandalorian uses his flares to distract Toro and then he he kills him and rescues the baby. But mm-hmm. the last scene, this is where, although it's perceived that this is a bottle episode to some degree, then we see a mysterious figure approach Phoenix Shan's body in the desert and fade to black. Yes. So key key thing to me about that scene is the the sound of the spurs um on the boot i mean that could mean anything mm-hmm. you know it, it could uh-huh. you know it's very cowboy-esque uh-huh. 
I mean, the name of the episode is The Gunslinger, for God's sake. Sure. But, uh, but there are two characters that I know of right offhand that make that sound in Star Wars when they walk. The first one is Boba Fett. Oh, okay. Uh, the second one is uh, a bounty hunter named Cad Bane from The Clone Wars. Not sure how old he would be at this point, but I felt pers- personally that the sound was significant. Like you said earlier, nothing mm-hmm. is an accident. Yeah, nothing is an accident. Um, so, it, I, I mean, look, we know that Boba Fett survived. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's just, it's a fact. Yeah. And they are on Tatooine, so not saying... Yeah. Just saying. Uh, there's there's a whole thing, though, in the Aftermath trilogy, uh, which was a series of books by Chuck Wendig, about not necessarily Boba Fett, but there is a scene with a character. Um, it's like a tertiary story in that series. Uh, someone buys Fett's armor, which has been... Um, well, you don't know that it's Fett's, but the, the assumption is that it's Fett's because it's been scarred and pitted. And this guy buys it off of someone on Tatooine. Um, so it might be that that's Boba Fett. It might be that that's this character, Cobb Vance. Um, because Aftermath takes place very shortly after uh, Return of the Jedi, if I recall correctly. Um, so it could be that character. Um, again, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that happens in the novels that are that is now considered canon that has had absolutely no payoff whatsoever. And they were never wrapped up in the novels either. So I assumed wrongly that in The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi that we would see a lot of that stuff come to fruition, but it never did. So maybe, maybe it will this time. Um, but that's that's going to be interesting. I thought that we were going to find out who that was in Episode 6, but we didn't at all. You know what we did get in Episode 6? Clancy Brown, uh, we got uh, uh, Bill Burr. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, let's see who else was in. Uh, who who else guested in episode six or chapter six? The prisoner. Uh, Natalie um, Tina. Bill yes, Burr, Natalie she Tina. was uh, Asha and Game Mark of Thrones Blue and uh, Tonks. Yes. Who yep. Is, and he's actually he's a in a, a lot of uh, Christopher Nolan's yeah, yeah. movies. Batman Begins. Yep. And he was uh, pretty big in Sons of Anarchy mm. too, if I recall. I could be wrong about that. I wasn't really in that show, but I think uh, I think I remember seeing his face quite a and bit. And then Zero. Um, Zero. What's that? Richard. Zero. Ao. A. AOD as the voice of Zero. Oh, that was the oh the droid. Yeah. That's right. Yep, I I didn't I knew that sounded familiar, but it wasn't coming uh, coming to mind. Um, yeah, so we have like a crazy kind of smattering of guest mm-hmm. stars um, in this particular episode. And again, this was the one that features uh, in the final moments those X-wing pilots, which were played by uh, the three guest directors that we've seen yeah. so far. Um, which, speaking of, I think that uh, Taika Waititi, I think he's doing the last episode. Because uh, um, I, I had thought that he was getting some directorial he is. He is. Uh, business here. Okay, cool. So that's good. That, that is good to know that that's going to happen. Um, this is another one of those bottle episodes that you had mm-hmm. mentioned. Um, we get some really cool throwbacks yeah. 
to previous films, previous races in the Star Wars galaxy. Um, but this one's pretty straightforward. The Mandalorian finds uns- unsanctioned work. Uh, he takes a job with a crew, no questions mm-hmm. asked. And, uh, and you know from the very beginning that they are no yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. And they are going to turn on him in a heartbeat. Uh, and this places them on a prison ship, a New Republic prison ship, um, which is interesting. Yeah, they just need um, the ship because it's uh, pre-Empire. Uh, yep. His Razorback yeah. or Razorcrest. Razor yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's really just a, the episode is just a heist. Um, that's basically all there is to it. You get some wonderful cinematography, mm-hmm. though, um, or I, I suppose you would say um, in that uh, there are some really cool moments of the Mandalorian after he's been double cross stalking his crew. Yeah. It's a, a horror um, film elements. Yes, exactly. And, and I loved that. I thought it was so well done. I love it when they do it with Batman, mm-hmm. um, because it fits that character so well. And I absolutely loved it when they did it with the Mandalorian because he, he is that, that cold stalking machine. Um, it, you just, you'd think that they would know, <laughs> just don't mess with that guy yeah <laughs> you know? and then real quickly um, he takes the prisoner quinn back to the ship and you know it's a trap yeah and i didn't i i completely forgot about uh, the the uh, alert uh, the, the beacon, beacon the beacon completely mm-hmm. forgot about which that. the guy pressed the guard the human being or the sentient uh um, humanoid, the lone the lone human being on the ship. Um, that was actually played by Matt Lanter. He was the voice of Anakin Skywalker oh, okay. in the Clone Wars. So another cameo, another guest spot. Um, yeah. So they uh, in that moment, the Mandalorian is trying to talk them out of not killing this guy, or talk them out of killing this guy. And uh, I think it's the uh, the Twi'lek character uh, with the mm-hmm. knives. Um, played by old Tonks there, Nymphadora. She uh, she knifes him, and he's pressed the button. And uh, so, yeah, that was that was where the beacon came into play. Um, so, yeah, after he's double-crossed and he gets out of the cell that they put him in, they uh, he takes, what it was his name, uh, the Queen. Quinn, the brother Twi'lek, um, back, to, uh, back to old Mr. Boone and leaves him with the beacon. And uh, it just didn't work out very well. For them at that point, I, I thought that was great. I I completely forgot about the beacon, and I I I, I was just so impressed by by how that came out and <laughs> his ingenuity yeah, his, and his improvisation. Yeah, I thought it was great. That's the other thing about it. He is an improviser, um, which again is is an aspect of that character that I really appreciate. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, there's not really anything I can say about that episode apart from being that it was just really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't really progress the story. Like there's no reason for any of that to happen. Yeah. It didn't move the story forward. The, the only thing is that, that you think that the Mandalorian is going to kill the three others and he doesn't, he just locks them in the cell. Right. Yeah. The assumption is certainly that he yeah. killed them. No questions asked. Yeah, Absolutely. 
Um, so this leads us up into the last episode that's aired. Yeah, chapter 7. Thus far. And what was the, the name reckoning. of that one? The Reckoning? Oh, I know, when I saw the title, I, I got chills. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that it was going to be something else. Um, and so I, this one did not go the way that I thought it would. I did not think that Grief Cargo was going to try to bargain with the Mandalorian. Uh, but then again, if he's been in the business for as long as he has, he probably sees the advantage in getting himself out of the doo-doo on Navarro. Mm-hmm. And he knows the Mandalorian can take care of it. And if they're square, the Mandalorian's a good person to have on your side. Yeah. Um, so I think that grief cargo is probably a very pragmatic person. Uh, so it made sense. It didn't seem like they were twisting it or making it weird. Um, just for the sake of the the story, it seemed natural. Um, but basically what's happened is after the Mandalorians taken off the remnants of the empire, which I, I find so amusing that they still refer to themselves as the empire as if it hasn't been shattered. Um, which is a story in and of itself about how they exist now. But uh, Navarro, the town in which they uh, in which they reside and operate, has been taken over by the Empire. And it's sort of like a martial law they've declared there. So obviously that's not working very well for the guild. <laughs> you can't do business. Um, no, no. So basically, Karga says, you know, come down. I've got a plan. We'll use the child as bait. Um, and then you and I will be square. It's all good. So to me, and, and I'll, I'll hand it off to you. Um, I would just like to state first what I think is the most interesting part about this episode or one of the most interesting parts is it comes full circle. The way that this show was advertised mm-hmm. with Gina Carano as Cara Dune as a lead character and also IG 11 as a lead character they come back. Yeah. Um, the Mandalorian does not completely trust Kreef Karga. He just doesn't. He has to have some no. some backup. Uh, he has to have a crew of his own. So he he gets the help of of uh, Cara Dune again, goes back to Krill, and there he's met with uh, Krill's new droid, uh, IG-11. Mm, yes. And we know from the Mandalorian, all previous six episodes, ma- episodes, the Mandalorian does not like droids, and he all but much less that one. shoots IG Eleven right on the spot, and then we have a little flashback where we show that Krill, who we have learned used to work for the Empire, as an mm-hmm. he's an Ugnot, uh, Ignat, as an indentured servant. Yes, he was his species was they they were the the technicians on Bespin if oh, you recall. Oh, that's right. Yep. That put Han in the uh, carbon freezing that's chamber. Right. So, um Krill convinces the Mandalorian he has to trust IG11. If he trusts Krill, he has to trust his work, the reprogramming of IG11. And so they go to the far reaches of Navarro and meet with uh, meet with Kree Karga and two. Is it how many henchmen? Three or four? I think that he had two. Well, of them. there was one that got taken away. Oh right, <laughs> I did not yeah, see that yeah, coming. Yeah, 
He didn't he, either. No one saw that coming. So, so they're sitting around a campfire, uh, plotting how they're going to approach going into Navarro, and they're attacked by what are those things? They they look like some sort of pterosaur. Yeah, they were. Crazy. Uh, it, it's a new creature to me. Uh, well, they they lose their rides. <laughs> they're carried away or killed. Uh, they lose uh, at least one of the henchmen. McGreep Karga is, is then scratched or bitten by one of the creatures, and they're poisonous. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to help him and give him first aid, and it, it's hopeless. The poison is spreading. And little baby Yoda, or the child, walks over to him and uses the force. He heals him. Yes, which... Let me ask you very quickly. Did you notice that he has repeatedly tried to do that? Oh, yeah, we through the series. Yeah. And in in one interesting point, when um, the Mandalorian gets back with Cara Dune and and they're um, arm wrestling, what are they? What do they do? Yeah, just arm yeah, wrestling. Arm wrestling, and Baby Yoda chokes her. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, no, don't mess with my yeah, daddy. Don't do that. So anyway. Yeah. Um, Grief Karga, uh, the Mandalorian, Cara Dune, um, the Ugnut, and the baby, and the two henchmen are just outside of, of the city, and they're planning how they're going to go in. And they basically say, okay, mm-hmm. we're going to use the baby as bait. And just about as they're going to formulate their plan, Grief Karga shoots the other two guys. He's had a change of heart because the baby has saved him. But they still got to, they still got to do this, and how are we going to do this? Right. And so they agree that uh, Krill is going to take the baby back to the ship and put it on lockdown, and then uh, Cara Dune, the Mandalorian, and Grief Cargo are going to go back to um, what is the name the character name of um, Herzog or Her- the, the client? client. The he client. doesn't have a name. Yep, he's just known as the client. client. So the pram is empty. So they go in. They're trying to, and I'm thinking, how are they going to get out of this? Uh, had yeah. a real A-team vibe associated with it. You know, what are they going to do? How are they going to get away? And they say the baby, you know, the client says, can I see the baby sleeping? <laughs> and then the, Right, which is not convincing yeah, remotely. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. But then the client gets a phone call. And... The phone call on the phone call is uh, Moff Gideon. Moff Gideon. Played by Giancarlo yep. Esposito. Love yeah, that guy. And at that point, um, all hell breaks loose. There's yeah, blast he, of fire. He, the client gets it. <laughs> what is it he says is where is the, the asset? asset? He's sleeping. sleeping. <laughs> you might want to check well, again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, and the client is blasted in the chest. Uh, the stormtroopers, who are more than four, mm-hmm. uh, more than four stormtroopers uh, guarding everything, they get blasted. And so we've got our original three remaining, and they're looking out. Pen down. They're looking out and see, is it five or six of stormtroopers in black armor? It's quite yeah. a few. The death troopers from Rogue oh, One. Oh, And then... If you recall. And then a transport comes and all these stormtroopers in brand new armor come. And I don't know what the count is on those guys. A lot. A lot. 
And then Moff Gideon arises <laughs> in a TIE fighter, which I didn't know they could do what they did. Nor did I. I think that's a new that's development. A new development. Um, I mean, mechanically, you know, from an engineering standpoint, given the design of the ship, it makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Not that I know anything about engineering, yeah, exactly. but you know, I guess they wanted it to look yeah. cool. Um, but it does kind of take away from the simplicity of the time. And I don't want to get out into yeah, all that, exactly. but I do want to say that this is very demonstrative of the empire. Yeah. They will, cause you get the idea that the client's this big shot and he may have mm-hmm. been, but Gideon is a bigger shot. Yeah, there's always a bigger um, fish. And they don't leave loose ends. No. Exactly. We were talking about that, Luke and I. So they will kill everyone, including their yeah. own, to tie up loose ends. Because that's how the Empire works. Yeah. They don't make places better. So As uh, Herzog kind of went into earlier. So there are two stormtroopers on land speeders who have intercepted the call from the Mandalorian to Krill saying, we're under attack, get back to the ship. The land speeders go out. We see Baby Yoda on the ground, scooped up by one of the the uh, land one of the stormtroopers on the land speeder. Yeah. Krill is scout troopers down. What's that? The scout, scout troopers. troopers. That's what I think are known as yep. officially from uh, the forest moon of Endor. Yes, and I did not see that no, coming. Not at that all. was really disappointing i mean i felt yeah. that and so we have a cliffhanger didn't see a cliffhanger no, coming not either not all. of that magnitude not at all not of that magnitude um and and we didn't find out who was trailing them on tattooing either which i thought we would find mm-hmm. out in this episode um so yeah they uh our heroes as it were our main characters are stuck now ig11 is still on the yes. ship and and I believe. And you know we got to see him again. Um, you know that the Mandalorian's going to MacGyver his way out of this somehow. There's <laughs> yeah. a, a trailer with the Mandalorian on the Tie Fighter. Yeah. Oh, I have yeah, not no seen spoilers. that. Yeah, no spoilers. Sorry, sorry, guys. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> well, we knew he was oh, going to yeah. get out, yeah. and that that works for yeah. me. Um, I'm just pleased that we finally saw Giancarlo Esposito. Yeah. Um, because again, in the advertisements for this show, you see all these guys, and you know, I'm thinking, wow, that was a great episode, but where's Esposito? Uh-huh. And <laughs> so he shows up finally in, in seven. Um, very interesting way that they chose to advertise this show, I think. Um, all, I, I don't have any complaints about it, though, honestly. The, if I had one gripe, it would be that. For one season, there were perhaps too many filler episodes to be a short season, to be a short show. Um, But apart from that, the only thing I really, truly and desperately hope is that the last episode does not end on a massive cliffhanger. But I'm kind of starting to feel like it will. What What are your final thoughts on the season one of The Mandalorian so far? I enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed the heck out of it. As I mentioned, I think you can watch these uh, not being a super Star Wars fan and get mm-hmm. a large measure of enjoyment out of it. They're well done. They're well crafted. They're well acted. They're good television. Uh, but if you're a mm-hmm. Star Wars fan, it's really a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Yes. And so I was... Was there anything that you didn't like uh, about it? 
the I thought some of the episodes were slow in developing. I, I the gunslinger, I, I felt was a little slow in getting to the point and moving the action along. I thought the prisoner, um, again was slow getting there. But uh, but in retrospect, I enjoyed uh, both of those episodes and. So my criticisms are just minor, minor things because you do have to mm-hmm. give some groundwork to any piece of work that you're doing uh, and moving sure. forward and so it can move forward. And, and they, they both told a story. Uh, uh, I, again, in retrospect, I think The Prisoner was a really good episode. And so I, I, if I can, I can take away my initial criticisms because I thought it was really fun, a lot of fun uh, to see. Uh, I just enjoy it. And I think we've spoken in the past. When I watch movies, I just go in. I, I Do I have a good feel about it um, when it's done? Yeah, I do. Is there some things that I, as a, a viewer, can question them? I go, yeah, I guess I could. Um, but, um, like tomorrow I'm going to go see, uh, Rise of Skywalker and I'm just going to go in with an open mind and go, okay, um, I hope this is fun and it it looks like, wow, me, (laughs) yeah, I definitely, and I, I'm going to reserve any commentary that I may have, uh, for that film. As far as my expectation goes, I'm, I have somehow, successfully avoided spoilers. I, I have as well. Um, yeah, I have as well. Basically stay off of Twitter. Yep. Don't yep. go anywhere near it. I'm very selective about my scrolling on Instagram and there are certain accounts that I've mm-hmm. muted. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are people that I know have spoiled things before. I, I just went ahead and like mass unfollowed quite a number of people because I was like, nope, you're going to ruin this. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, maybe I could have muted them, but whatever. Um, you know, I'd, I'd have to echo what you said, honestly, about the Mandalorian. I, I'm trying not to be overly critical of things these days. I'm trying to be, to allow myself to be entertained, as you said, because at the end of the day, it's just television. Uh, they're just movies. You know, some some are profound in such a way that they change your life. You know, Star Wars, the original trilogy, will always be special to me because. It was such a huge part of my childhood. So it's personally relevant to me. Now, I do happen to share that with a lot of people, um, but that's why the original trilogy is special, and maybe that's why every movie that came out after that didn't hit the same notes and didn't resonate. And it's funny because every time I think I understand myself and my relationship to Star Wars, I gain what I think is a type of maturity in that, um, you know, I, I understand it now, you know, it's not all going to be my, uh, you know, my gospel that I, that I rely on, um, to enhance my life and, and comfort me the way that the original trilogy does. That's my star Wars. And, uh, and like I said, I just happen to share that with other people. And, you know, for some people, the prequels are their mm-hmm. star Wars and, and, and the same will be said of the new trilogy. And in the end, we all love yeah. them, uh, whether we love them all the same Some or not. Some people, Star Wars are the special editions. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> there's something for everybody. Uh, you know, there's going to be the McClunky edition <laughs> of, uh, of Star Wars that I'm sure someone will appreciate. But in all seriousness, um, I'm starting to understand that a lot more. 
and appreciate it and just, you know, kind of lighten up about the whole thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, um, by the way, before, before we end this, I do want to say at the beginning of our conversation, we couldn't think of the guy's name. I knew who it was, um, but I had breezed through the list of guest spots on Wikipedia and I didn't see Brian Posehn's name. So I may be wrong about it being Brian Posehn, but I'm like 100 or 99.9% sure that it's him. I looked up Bert mm-hmm. from Big Bang Theory and that's Brian Posehn. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, it's, it's funny, him. funny guy. I love Brian Posehn. He shows up in some of the most random places at times. Yeah. Uh, one of the more entertaining films I saw him in was in The Devil's Rejects. Uh, Rob, it was a Rob Zombie film. Just like Brian Posehn was the last person I expected to see uh, in that movie, and he gets his head blown off in a most glorious fashion. Um, I actually saw Brian Posehn at the 40 Watt. No, uh, really? I guess it's been probably about 10 years now. Yeah, he is hilarious and a huge metalhead. He opened up for Mastodon. Um, which is just amazing. I love Mastodon. Huh. Um, very, very cool, heavy, melodic, uh, progressive metal. And uh, very, very good stuff. And he he, he opened up uh, with a comedy set, and then Mastodon went on. And it was really cool. You know, it's, I mean, these guys are, you know, they're, they're old school rockers, you know, playing the clubs coming up and, you know, they they were very chill, you know, hung out at the bar. Brian Posehn was at the bar while they were playing. And uh, just really cool guys. I love seeing bands like that at the 40 Watt because if you want to say hello, they'll say hello. You know what I mean? And it's it's really cool. Um, but, yeah, so <laughs> that's that's my Brian Posehn story. And when I saw him, you know, I just had like, I was like, wow, Brian Posehn is in Star Wars and it doesn't get much cooler than that. Uh <laughs> Didn't see his name on any of the guest spots, though, so I'm going to feel like a real dumbass if that wasn't him, but he's kind of hard to mistake. Oh, it, yeah, it's Bert. <laughs> you know? <laughs> he, has, he had this bit when I saw him at the 40 Watt. Uh, he was like, things that you can't do when you look like me. <laughs> Night digging. <laughs> and that was just, it was one of the funniest things I'd ever heard. And I'd never really been to, um, like, a real comedy show. Um, at that point, which I know seems strange. I love comedy. I love stand-up comedy, but I'd never been. So to hear those kinds of jokes in person, you know, uh, while dutifully chugging my PBR was, uh, <laughs> was delightful. But, uh, yep. So that's my, my Brian Pusain, uh, anecdote for you since I failed tremendously at the beginning of this episode to, to, uh, credit his appearance in the Mandalorian. But, uh, I think that's, that is pretty much it, dad. I I know there's probably something major that I wanted to, um, get your thoughts on before we wrap this up. And it's just not going to come to me until like one o'clock this morning, (laughs) I'm sure. But, um, but thank you very much for, for doing this with me. This is our (laughs) annual Christmas episode or annual end of the year episode, annual December episode, however you want to frame that it's become a tradition for us so i hope that we can keep doing it sure yeah again i appreciate you asking me yeah of course i'm looking forward to seeing how this audio track turns out with that new mic of yours um so yeah oh i'm sure it will be i i wouldn't fret i'm no genius uh engineer sound engineer but i i make it work um, and the higher quality coming in, the higher quality we're going to have going out, you, you know, just 
it all it all takes a little work in the 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 back end as it were but uh, once again thanks so much dad and um and we'll talk to you again soon okay. i'm sure okay so thanks all right Thanks again, Dad, for keeping this podcasting tradition alive with me. That's three in a row, and uh, I truly hope that we are able to do this for many, many more Christmases to come. I hope you all enjoyed listening also as much as I enjoyed having Dad on the show. Dude's got pretty good taste, I think, and uh, I'd like to think that some of that rubbed off here. Now, some things to look forward to in 2020. Every month, we will have a film podcast detailing particular movies that helped shape me into the goblin that I am, with the help of my old man, of course, uh, him helping me on the show that is not helping me to become the goblin that I am today, although he probably had a decent amount to do with it, I'm not entirely sure, but uh, speaking of, you can rest assured that he will certainly be joining us for a handful of those episodes. Uh, Every month, there will also be a Star Wars pod based on a film from the saga, along with perhaps Rogue One and Solo. Not sure how I'm going to fit those in, but there are 12 months, there are nine saga films, uh, two spinoff films, or anthology films, depending on how you want to look at that. So uh, we'll see, we might even throw the animated Clone Wars series in there, have a, have a discussion about that. I'm not 100% yet, uh, but we have many a moon before we get to that point. Now, um, these were originally going to be Patreon subscriber-only shows, but I've since decided that they will be available to everyone, so you're welcome. Um, those are sure to be a lot of fun, and uh, I've already got a few of them in the bag. Really looking forward to sharing them with you. Finally, y'all go ahead and start throwing up them iTunes reviews because at the end of January, I will be giving away a Black Series action figure of The Mandalorian. So let's see those five-star ratings and reviews. Let's, uh, let's see. It's, it's a five-star rating with a review. That's what we'll need uh, for you to secure your entry. So a five-star rating and a review on iTunes will get you entered into this giveaway and i'm gonna do i think another giveaway maybe something funko related that i'll that i'll run on instagram so i might have two of them going simultaneously i might have one giveaway going after the other i haven't decided but if you're if you're still trying to get your hands on that black series mandalorian this is a good way to get one for free so uh yeah once more i've been your host grayson parker marcotte thank you for listening to the sleeping giant podcast And until next time, y'all.